0: This week on Big Meow Negative Forcement Traces Poison's all impure profane the haunted heaven Cheering left into the pit of calamity A media condition no wealth Provisions for a time unknown with your post Jason Zia and Tim Manichi Jay, this week we're back with the review, and it is a Patreon-selected review. One of our patrons reached the 12-month goal and picked out an album for us, Jay. We're excited to uh, welcome to the show Josh Ballard. Josh, welcome. Making your debut appearance on the podcast.
1: Hello, hello. Uh, This is actually my first time on any music podcast, period. So uh, thank you very much for having me on.
0: And uh, we were just discussing before we got on air, you have a, I don't know, I, I, is it a career? Do we call it that? Or do we call it a, what's the proper term? Is it a side hustle? I don't know. what. Uh, <laughs> what
1: <laughs> Really, that because I mean, you don't really make much money from it, but just uh, another passion of mine I've always had. Um, been involved in a competitive gaming of different sorts for most of my life at this point. Um, I've gone to a lot of tournaments over the years for fighting games like Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat, and Probably at this point, best known for speed running, which is completing video games as fast as possible. And I used to do a whole lot of those, uh, participate in a whole lot of those events for charity and such that you can find online. Uh, my handle for all that, uh, FunkDoc, is kind of what I'm known by online. So,
2: so, so do you specialize in PC or console?
1: Uh, very much console gaming. Um, I The original Doom is one of my all-time favorite games. But aside from like that, I'm not too much of a PC game, gamer, so...
2: And what's your what's your uh, console of choice?
1: The NES. That's what I grew up on. So
2: nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. That system was so much fun.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: A lot of good memories.
0: Yes, a lot of frustrations though. We did not. <laughs> we were not as successful. <laughs> I Gosh. no.
1: I mean, I Battletoads is one of the first games I ever had growing up, so uh, I am very familiar with frustration. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, we mentioned that uh, you came to us through Patreon, and we need to thank... We've got two new Patreon subscribers, Gary Moran and Rory Joseph. They both pledged at the uh, $1 level, and they've both already chimed in with comments on our most recent poll. And uh, we greatly appreciate the support. You, of course, can go to patreon.com forward slash Dig Me Out to become a patron. So let's get into the important part here. Let's get into the album that you selected. Tell us what the album was and why you selected it.
1: All right. Well, the album of choice for this show is Skinny Puppies, The Process. This is from 1996. It was their first and only release on... uh, American Recordings, a uh, Rick Rubin's record label. And I picked it because Skinny Puppy is my single favorite artist of all time. I've actually just recently published a gigantic article on their album before the process, Last Rights with Last Rights, which is my single favorite album of all time. And I chose this because it's their only album that fits the general 90s rock motif of this podcast. Their previous earlier albums in the 90s are can be pretty weird and hard to get into for a lot of people. So I figured this would be a good one to get into also because, uh, there's a lot of interesting, uh, backstory to it. So,
0: um, you mentioned where was the, uh, where's the article that you published?
1: Um, it's just on my own personal, uh, medium page. I currently have that as the pin tweet on uh, my Twitter account. Um, uh, I am Josh, the funk doc on Twitter and also a uh, Twitch TV, although I'm uh, on hiatus from streaming. Cool. Uh, it's Yeah. Last rights, it's it's called the billion year voyage and uh, that's on medium so just put that cool. up.
0: Excellent. We
2: will we'll link to all that from your uh, bio and from the episode so yeah. everybody can check it out.
0: All right. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. So Jay, were you familiar with Skinny Puppy before getting into this record? <clears throat>
2: uh, yeah, I was. I, I had some friends in high school who were really into industrial music. I actually a couple members of a band I was in. So uh-huh. yeah, I, I mean, I, I I had always heard it in the periphery had heard maybe you know songs here and there but never really had spent much time with any of the records so so yeah I was familiar well and how about you two?
0: not specifically uh I would heard the name and I probably had heard the music when we were at the radio station because we played a wide gamut of stuff uh at WFAL in the 90s Um, But I couldn't tell you, like, a specific song or album. But I do remember, and this has come up previously, and whenever we get to a Cleveland episode, there was, like, a weird, like, Cleveland-Chicago industrial kind of thing that went on. Obviously, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of bands from Chicago that people know of that have an industrial sound, but, you know, with uh, Nine Inch Nails out of, uh, you know, partially out of Cleveland and Mm -hmm. some other artists they're there the like midwest has this i, I don't know we will get into it when we get it we haven't done an industrial roundtable yet so uh maybe when yeah. we do that uh we can talk a little bit about that but that's that sound seemed to uh for people who were into like heavy uh like speed metal it seemed like some people transitioned into uh industrial in the late 80s and early 90s yeah. in terms of what they were listening uh, to
1: yeah I mean, uh, like I'm I'm from the Cleveland area myself. Actually, lived there most of my life, and like growing up, the one I always heard about was Mushroomhead. Like, I guess they were metal, but they kind of get lumped in that industrial circle sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's what I that's what came to my mind there.
0: Oh,
2: okay. Do you, do you remember Dink?
1: No, I do not.
2: That was a industrial band from Cleveland in the '90s. That got kind of big. I mean, for 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 at least local. Maybe we'll talk about them in our in our Ohio uh, episode or Cleveland episode.
0: I I, yeah, I guarantee we would talk about them because they had like one single. What was it? Green Mind was the name of the song, I think. I have to look Mm. it up. I think I have the CD somewhere. Uh, But yeah, they they had like one song that got (laughs) to college radio and, you know, they were they were Mm -hmm. in that kind of dancier and more like not in the heavy end of it more in the um what's the what would be the other bands that would be comparable to um
1: i would say like if you're talking dancey or industrial that's called a that's often called like electronic body music or ebm so like frontline assembly uh front 242 would be some of the ones that would fit into that category
2: oh, okay there you
0: go yep. i had not heard that term before now i learned something yep there you go So we got a couple of comments from our Patreon folks, and I want to read them. So before we get into actually talking about the record, Tara McCook, she said, industrial did not get a lot of traction in my area at the time. I believe she was living in the southeast, if I remember from previous conversations with Tara, Um, except the kids who were really into D&D. We got in. We got nine inch nails and post industrial bands on the radio, but Skinny Puppy was not at all on my radar. This is challenging. This is a challenging listen for a newcomer to the genre. Some of it is. Some of it is interesting. Curcible. I think she meant.
1: Yeah, well, no, curcible is actually how it's spelled.
0: Okay, it is spelled Cursible. I was I was mind I was mind correcting it as I was reading it while while I was listening to the record to crucible, but. Cursible and Candle combine melodic and dissonant sound in really clever ways, but by and large, there's a lot of abrasive noise without much musicality, and that's a deal-breaker for me. This will probably sound like hearsay to pure industrial fans, but I can see why the post-industrial sound that incorporated more straight rock metal influences came to pass. Nine Inch Nails took the roots. I can hear, hear and soften the noise into something more accessible. Whether that's a good thing or not, I can't say. And then Keith Sawyer said, There's nothing that brings out nostalgic 90s vibes in me more than a good industrial-era album. Skinny Puppy is one of the best, excelling at the more malevolent end of the electronic spectrum. Unfortunately, this, is not, this isn't one of their better efforts. The grittier edge of the sound has been sanded away. While Ogre has many charms, his singing voice isn't one of them. In some, ways, in some ways, this album really does embody the end of an era. Yep. And that's Completely also because that. they kind of broke up after this record and then got back together about six years later, right? For uh, yeah. a new record. Um
1: Okay, so they here's the deal. Uh, the album is unfinished because they actually broke up in the middle of recording it. Um, so Ogre, for those who don't know, uh, Nivek Ogre is his stage name. He's the, the vocalist for Skinny Puppy. He actually quit the group in the middle of recording, and uh, I'm going to talk about this later, but you can hear that on some points in the album, I'll just say. Um, and then one of their other members, Dwayne Godel, died of a heroin overdose uh, also during the recording. So it was like the one main remaining member of the group and their longtime producer that just finished what they had left and threw it out there
2: wow yeah now that's the making of a record story
0: (laughs) yeah exactly holy shit this is just the tip of the iceberg too right so is this 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 is their eighth album too this is not like a you know a 90s only band i mean they had been making albums going back into the 80s
1: Oh yeah, um, 1984 was their first uh, EP, and they they put out they put out like basically one album a year throughout all of up through up until ni- 1990. Okay, so yeah, they've been yeah doing things. I mean, so yeah, the process um, it was just a well that that term applies to uh, what happened to their uh, their ordeals in recording it too because it went on for over two years. They there was like they lost recordings to fires and earthquakes at different points. Um, Ogre was everyone was dealing with their drug problems as I kind of hinted at earlier with you know fatal overdose if one of the members. Um, they even brought in a, um, Genesis Peorage, the uh, vocalist for Throbbing Gristle. Um, they brought them in. Uh, the, the record label brought them in to try to give a creative spark to Skinny Puppy in recording. And they actually they actually released um, an album of like some jam sessions with Genesis P and Skinny Puppy called Puppy Gristle. So there's a whole lot going on here.
2: Hmm. And I always think of them as kind of a, it's very similar to Ministry and I don't know, I just always think of those two bands as the same. And, and they had some, like doesn't Psalm 69 and some of their nineties records have the same sort of like stories around how uh making the record and just how the debauchery and drama around it i mean
1: this was the only time puppy reached that level because this was you know they were on a mid-major label for this one american whereas they were always on a much smaller record label for their previous albums um and they were pretty consistent and you know getting the recordings out quickly. Um, I will say this skinny puppy, at least their stuff previous to this, not really like ministry at all. Um, they were very much occupying their own niche of a, something that's called electro industrial that they basically defined in the eighties.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. Um,
1: this album though, is definitely more on the ministry end of the spectrum, but we'll get
0: to that. Yeah. Let's get into that. Let's talk about Jay. One you thing can. you liked about skinny puppies, the process.
2: Tim, yes. well, I guess I'll, 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 build off that point. Um, I was expecting a ministry style industrial record and I was pleasantly surprised that there's a lot more here than, than what I associate with. Let's say that ministry record we reviewed, which is, um, it tends to be on 11 all the time, uh, not, not a ton of atmosphere, not a ton of, uh, texture and dynamic. Yeah. whereas this record I felt had those elements and I was not expecting that at all so whether it be you know varieties of instruments used from cellos to pianos to synth to acoustic guitar to obviously heavy guitar and then w- which I enjoyed I-, I like this album when it gets atmospheric which I didn't expect either it's even cinematic like a lot of times like it sounds like it could be music over. I don't know, closing credits to an action movie or, or a chase scene or something like that. And then I liked, I'm not a huge fan of drum machines. I think we've covered this in past episodes, but they really do an amazing job keeping it interesting. So
0: mm-hmm.
2: even though a lot of this, I mean, it's all sequenced and programmed. It's There's tons of variety in, into how the drums are produced and performed and lots of breaks and changes and like just really cool use of the, that tool. Um, even like drum fills that are ridiculously fast that you can tell or, you know, a human can never play, but it, it all adds to just a lot of like variety, um, which you don't, I don't associate with a lot of industrial records. I always think of them as kind of set the drum beat to one thing and then it's full blast, you know, uh, in one direction. Whereas this has got a lot of, uh, twists and turns to it, which I thought was pretty cool. So I I was pleasantly surprised on, on, on all those fronts for this record.
0: Yeah, I want to um, uh, piggyback on that in the sense that you know you mentioned about it being you know cinematic in areas. There were times, even though it's not in, in the same ballpark overall as uh, the Gathering, there were times in terms of like the big epic sweep of some of the parts that it reminded me of that band. Now that was much more gothic in its presentation, um, but they did use some electronic elements on on that band that or in that album that. Uh, we did earlier this year that kind of harkened to this, and um, I think the thing that I liked most about this is I thought it well worked well as a start to finish record. Now, there's parts that I can nitpick later on, but as far as its overall feel, like for a 90s record, it's only 43 minutes long, which is Really, kind of am- amazing. Like, I would have thought yep. that this record was going to end up being like 60 minutes long, and there'd be like a 12 minute long closing track or a bonus, you know, hidden yeah. noise track or something like that. But it's really tightly constructed, and there's a lot of ebb and flow so that you don't get this, like, like you mentioned with the ministry stuff, there would be like this constant, like, pulse just going. And it might yeah. speed up a little bit or slow down just a little bit, but it's pretty consistent. And it's pretty grading. And I can understand that, you know, certain people might be into that for a whole record, but I, I can't quite swallow that for a whole record. Whereas this had a lot more dynamics going on that Mm -hmm. I really liked so that, you know, when it dropped out, I, it focused my attention a little bit more because, you know, when there's, when you get a, a pounding, you know, drum machine at 160 dbm or you know db whatever that can get a little like mind numbing like you can just like sort of zone out but when it drops and then you get like there's some really cool almost like ambient parts that were really cool and and not i was not expecting it at all based on what i had you know preconceived notions about with regards to this record so i just i kind of just dug the whole record from start to finish as a you know, a single presentation based on, you know, keeping it at a good length and yep. and uh, keeping it interesting. So, in revisiting this record and and taking some of the comments into consideration, Josh, do you hear are there things that have evolved over the years that you like now that maybe you didn't like earlier or that you you know have switched positions on over the years?
1: Um, some bits. Yes, um, some of the tracks like Candle and Cult I was never really hot on and there's bits and pieces of them that I come to appreciate more now. Like the lyrics on Candle are actually... Really well done and not in in something like it's more kind of like straightforward and romantic, which is not Ogre's usual style. Ogre, his lyrics tend to be much more like abstract stream of consciousness kind of stuff. So that part is a pleasant surprise. Although I still have a problem with that song, because when he goes like, she's not insane, like that sounds like Bill and Ted to me. And I just it takes me out of the song every time. (laughs) Not going to lie. Yeah, there's some bits I hear, but for the most part, I've kind of remained where I'm at. Where I'm at with this album now is kind of where I've been with a while, which is I do feel like it's still one of their weaker albums overall. It's not as bad as a lot of people make it out to be. And you do, you know, I agree with a fair amount of what you said, but if you like, particularly the atmospheric and more ambient parts of this, if you're impressed with that, Uh, Go back and listen to some of their older stuff, Uh, Too Dark Park in particular. Like, that just just blows this out of the water, I think. Uh, That's just... It's also some harsher noises there, but there's also a lot of stylistic variety there as well. Um, But, yeah. See, the weird thing to me is I actually feel like... So, okay. There used to be a review of this album on Rate Your Music. I can't find it anymore. It seems to have disappeared. But there's one part where the reviewer says that some of the songs are, and I quote teetering on the precipice of the butt rock abyss and i just absolutely love that line and they're definitely i definitely feel that at some points cursible and hard set head mainly but i actually still think those are some of the stronger songs here
0: I don't really
2: hear that. No, not at all.
0: Maybe I'm just uh I'm too what? dialed into butt rock to uh <laughs> um Maybe I'm too dialed into industrial and my standards are a bit yeah. different. Well, there, I, and I got the same like thought when I was reading the comments from from Keith and, and, and Tara where I was like, I don't hear where this is at all like a commercial like again, I need to go back and listen to those early records as a comparison after after this episode but like when i listen to this and then i compare it to what the actual bands that were quote-unquote industrial that were getting on the radio which was like nine inch nails and maybe like stabbing westward and i don't know a couple others that were like consist those were like very pop vocals in those songs yeah even though the music can get harsh like Trent Reznor has a very keen ear for pop melody and yes. not that not that the vocals aren't interesting here but they're just not pop in the same sense that that Trent Reznor can pull off or that you know we're in Stabbing Westward or some of those other industrial God Lives Underwater you know those kinds yeah. of bands and um so it makes me laugh almost when i hear People going, oh, this is their try to they're trying to get on a radio with this record. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like this still is like some of this stuff is well, blistering, like, you know, noise and uh made me kind of so, chuckle.
2: So the one the one reference I could hear that would I don't know if it's butt rock, but it's definitely classic. I heard well, grab your seats. Uh-oh. I heard on Candle in particular, and a little bit on the song Amnesia. I heard Roger Waters and a little bit of like a Pink Floyd kind of vibe in the way that the vocals are delivered and sort of the melody and some of the key changes, which to me was totally unexpected, which when I picked up on that and started to get that vibe, it made me appreciate the whole rest of the record differently. Um, So when those Mm -hmm. moments came, it was just kind of like that spoken local delivery that you know roger waters is not a great singer either but if you listen to some of his solo stuff and obviously the wall and there's a way that he delivers lines that um is very reminiscent here and then when it gets atmospheric and kind of almost epic i mean pink floyd can do that too obviously they don't get as ugly as this does at times and as noisy was one i guess classic you know rock reference that i could make to the record other than that yeah i don't it doesn't it it doesn't sound pop or accessible (laughs) in any shape
0: i did not get that i heard like when he in candle in the quieter parts when he's singing which is still like mid you know mid up tempo it reminded me of like a more like the early dave gahan depeche mode like really Mm -hmm. like you know Before they were writing really radio friendly stuff and with grooves, but like the really like keyboard, everything, you know, mechanical sounding early depeche mode stuff. That's what that reminded me of. I did not pick up any of that Roger Waters sound from him, but that's interesting.
1: Yeah. I never yeah, that's definitely a first for me, uh interesting call there for sure. (laughs) If you just listen listen to the vocal. Cool. Okay. Uh, Good call. What you say about there? It's interesting because I would agree with you there, and that this is still not really a commercial record. It's just compared to what they were doing before this, right? Like this, this really does basically sound like Filter compared to that. Like they were they were on a whole other planet before this, but yeah, it's this, and maybe that's kind of the problem here as to why this this frankly was kind of a flop commercially. Is it's just it's like a s like you said, it's still not really that commercial of a sound but at the same time it's also not it doesn't capture a lot of what really made skinny puppy unique before this it's kind of been trapped in this no
2: man's land at times i feel you know another thing about this record that worked that i didn't expect was um mm. the some of the synths used on here are very 80s kind of sounding so hardest heat and call have these like very pingy kind of uh, crystal clear synth sounds that in 1996, I would have not wanted to hear at all. But now I actually think are pretty cool. <laughs> like they're so far removed from anything that you typically hear other than like stranger things. Uh, when you, Whenever I hear sounds like that, I just kind of perk up because it's just so different. And I like how it's, they're almost pretty and they sit on top of some of the you know music that's more distorted and, dirty sounding. Uh, I think when the when they use that kind of tone, it just creates this really cool soundscape. So again, it's one of those things where I wasn't expecting it. And I'm pretty sure if I would have heard it in 1996, I wouldn't have liked it. But now, for some reason, it seems to make more sense.
0: Yeah, I concur. I, I think overall, this works better for me now than it probably did 22 years ago, just because I'm listening to a lot more music more like more types of music i back then i would i probably was not even listening to anything remotely like this except for when nine inch nails or filter or you know stabbing westward came on the radio this was not in my wheelhouse at all but now i'm listening to a not a lot but you know some of these bands from this era especially when they have long instrumental passages because i like to write to that type of music when i'm you know kind of by myself and I want something with like a consistent tempo, but not a lot of words, if that's uh if that makes sense. So, yep. uh, you know, I, I like, I love the Nine Inch Nails ghost, uh, one through four, uh, you know, discs of <laughs> outtakes or whatever those are. And cause that's just great writing music, just tons and tons of instrumental tracks to, uh, to write to. So uh, it, er, on their earlier stuff, is it all, Uh, have vocals over on all on top of everything or some of the ambient stuff uh, more instrumental.
1: Okay. So uh, the sense you mentioned, that's something they always kept. Um, even even on their earlier '90s '90s albums before this, they still have that like that '80s sounding synth to it for sure. Um, the vocals were much more they there's heavily uh, there's really heavy distortion effects on the ogre's vocals. So in particular, like really like growly, like demonic sounding a lot of the time, uh, which um, which most fans tend to prefer to the. Kind of, I guess, cleaner ogre that you're hearing here. Uh, they use a lot of instrumental pieces that are often heavily built around samples from movies and TV, for example. Okay. Um, there's a lot of inst- instrumentals, but also, you know, they use a good number of those. But more standard vocal tracks, um, and they really they switched up styles a lot over the course of their career uh, leading mm-hmm. up to this. But and then, and, oh, and they and they rarely, rarely use guitars, ex- with the exception of one album before this, Rabies, that was produced by Al Jorg so that had a lot of guitar on it, but that that and this one are really the only ones that are like that.
0: So Jay, let's get into maybe the things that did not work as well for us.
2: I, I don't love the. I mean, I guess I was expect expecting a lot of the the heavy guitar riff stuff. So I don't love those passages. Um, they're okay, um, but I guess they're just kind of expected. So they didn't they didn't interest me as much. Um, I think death is okay um cubicle not as much there's some long sections here with you know kind of monotonous uh tempos and or overly uh noisy sections that i don't love i i I mean other than that i mean yeah it's a challenge challenging listen for me i don't know that i would be in the mood to listen to this all the time but um i i would love vocally more to be going on here um but in a weird way like uh, the way the vocal is mixed, I kind of can not pay attention to it, which is interesting. I think the the criticisms that, that, that like Keith had with the vocal. I mean, I get it, but and I'm very like particular about vocals. Um, you know, there's some bands I just don't like at all, just because I don't like the singer. Um, whereas I might like the music quite a bit. There's something about the way this is produced where it, it's so separated. Like the vocal is not. Uh, really up front it's kind of just another sound off in the distance that if you don't like what he's singing you almost can just ignore it like not pay attention to it so even some of the vocal stuff while I'm always you know a fan of there being more melody there I I could ignore it enough that it didn't bother me so yeah I mean I think you know anything I, I would say a criticism here would just be I think of the genre for me you know I'm not a huge fan of repetitive drum machines. I'm a huge fan of the like drop D riffs that repeat over and over again. I like more dynamics. So uh, anytime they fall into those traps, I, I, I'm not a big fan, but to go back to your, one of your original points, Tim, it's so concise and sh- relatively short that I, I think we've been doing this so long now that any record that's <laughs> under 45 minutes, it's hard to criticize. Cause you know
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It does. It, they know when to get in and out, of uh of tracks relatively efficiently and and not uh you know there's only like one song that's over five well i think two songs are over five minutes and one's just barely over five minutes but most of these are in like the you know three and a half to four something and that's and there's really 10 tracks his last song is 49 seconds so it's a it's a tight you know 10 song you know 11 or 10 and a half song record um as far as what doesn't work for me I think it's primary. I would have liked for the vocal to be a little bit more accessible. I know that's the criticism, is that him apparently trying to be more accessible is is uh, turning this into something they're not. But I, it's just the the delivery that doesn't sit perfectly with me. Um, it's just not my style. Like I, I'm like you, Jay. Like if the vocal isn't right, it I, it just turns me off completely before I even you know, connect with the band. Now it's it's not that case where it's not where I'm like, oh I, I hate this guy and I don't want to ever want to hear him speak again. Like it's not that I just wish it was like I don't know, there's like a affectation or something that's going on that I don't I don't know what his speaking voice sounds like, but it's very particular in the way that he delivers uh, the lyrics. So it's it kind of like it just it made me pay attention sometimes when I would catch him and I'd lose focus on the music and I kind of yeah. like the music better than the, than the the vocal.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't be bummed if they took some of the vocals off the record. Um, but, but at least he doesn't bark through the whole thing. You know? Right. I, I guess that was the other fear I had was that you're just going to get like barking from the beginning of the record till the end. And I don't know, I guess I'd rather hear him try some different stuff than just do that over and over again.
0: So what criticisms have uh, creeped into your consciousness over the years with regards to this record josh i
1: mean i think i pointed out a fair amount of them already but um one of the things that stood out to me is that quite in a good number of these songs It feels like almost like half of it is just no vocals at all. And I really am, I'm pretty sure that's down to the whole ogre quitting the group thing. And, you know, the song's being released in an unfinished state. Like, Candle is a very obvious example of this. Like, there's one of the the best vocal bits of the album, I think, is the end of that section, where they just go like, reach! Like, I love that bit, but then the song goes on for over another two minutes, and it's just repeating the same pretty much this whole same structure and everything from the verse, but with no seeing over it. It just, that stuff sounds really, really out of place to me. Um, Blue Serge does this also. And I want to say Amnesia too, um, kind of similar in that regard. Yeah. That's one thing that stood out for me really. I don't know. I guess like, I wish there was more blending of the guitars in the sense like the first the first song on this album is by far my favorite, and, and I think that's the one that really just merges the guitar with the more skinny, more like skinny puppy sounds together. And that's kind of what I want to see more of, whereas like Hard Set Head and Curcible are kind of more just straight rock songs in comparison.
0: take a, a quick step back into into 2000 or excuse me into to 1996 it's the mid 90s we've already kind of passed the grunge era as far as um dominating radio and and this is this is the 95 96 97 is sort of like where everything starts to kind of get it turned into a big stew of whatever's going to be on the radio was this you know this mentioned that this record did not do well in terms of uh the overall and and being you know sort of half finished when uh actually were a band and then with ogre leaving they had to kind of finish it off is it surprising that it wasn't a commercial hit in the way that some of the other industrial bands were able to score you know radio and and mtv and various uh hits or uh, do you think there was some more potential here than maybe people caught on to at the time?
2: Well, you got to think that that's what American had in mind when they signed them, right? I mean, I know they had pretty good artistic uh, intent, but there's some significant money in that label. So you would think that there was some right optimism here that this was going to be another... Because that ministry record was pretty big. I mean, it got radio airplay, it got a lot of MTV airplay, and at least... So I'm wondering if they were thinking it was going to be like that or another nine inch nails. I'm not sure, but I, there's just nothing here. I don't at least for me that's accessible enough to have broken through to radio or anything like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, hard set head would be the closest for me. That's the one that sounded most like a radio single to my ears. But even then, with some of the issues you discussed with the vocals and such, like yeah, I I'm not surprised that it turned out like that.
0: Yeah, well. Yeah, I, 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 honestly, there's nothing, there's like, there's no hook, and in the same way that there is with like, head like a hole, you know what I mean? Like, there's no like, uh, or hey man, nice shot. Like, there needs to, and apparently needs to start with an H, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know there that's the one that to me is the one thing that this record's missing is if it was going to be i know rick rubin from what i was reading on like the wikipedia page was pushing the band to think in a more commercial way and they brought in you know like you mentioned people to help with the with the songwriting and and whatnot and like they just need one of these songs needed to have that radio hook and while there are melodic parts, um, having an interesting melody is not necessarily going to get you a hook. Like there has to be something that people can grab onto, whether a phrase or a a particular lyric in the way that some of those other bands do. So I, I think that was really what it came down to is like, you know, you could get away with just having one of those songs in 1996 and then selling a whole CD off of that.
2: Right. 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 If they would have done like a, um, guest vocalist kind of thing yeah with somebody who had more of a traditional voice i'd be curious to see if one of these songs could be turned into something like that like you said where there's one track on here that's you know sells the record and it doesn't sound anything like most of the rest of the record (laughs) like uh low fidelity all-stars for example exactly right or sugar ray yep (laughs) it's a completely uh you know or 90% of the hit singles that from the 90s.
0: <laughs> sure, Ex- exactly.
2: Uh, all right, so
0: let's give our overall ratings on this record. Worthy album, better EP, or decent single? Josh, I'm going to start with you. You're rating this record. Where, where does okay. it land for you?
1: For me, this is easily a better EP. Um, like I said... A lot of the noisier pieces, um, they just don't really impress me that much, having listened to their other stuff a whole lot. So I would, you know, think, of, you know, I wouldn't really keep too many of those, like maybe Blue Surge, maybe for something like that. And then those in like the first two songs, which I think are the strongest here and just basically some of the guitar stuff in that, like, I don't know. Like, I don't even know if it's necessarily half this album I would really grab onto, like, that really sticks with me. But I feel like, you know, you can get a solid EP out of, you know, that amount of material. So that would be my rating.
0: Okay. Jay, what about you?
2: Well, I I think if you condensed it down to an EP, it would be, I think, really strong, at least for me. So I think it's okay as a record, just because it's still so short. And if you're in the mood, it, you know it 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 works. I would take it down to probably the first five tracks, and then add Amnesia and get rid of Process. What's it called? Cursible, Blue Surge, Morton, and the obviously the last track. Um, and I think there you have a, a really strong EP.
0: Uh, I'm gonna agree with you guys. I'm I'm gonna agree with you, Jay, in the sense that it is a short record, so I kind of let it work that way. But if I was going to get into the nitty gritty of each track, I'd probably be at like a five song EP because there's probably certain tracks I like overall better than others. And I I wouldn't nitpick as much. Um, uh, but I, I do think as an overall piece of music and, and a singular, you know, collection, this, this does work better than a lot of things that we've heard that were a lot longer. So, uh, so yeah, that is our uh, our take on the process by Skinny Puppy. Josh, thanks for uh, bringing this to our attention. This was interesting, as you mentioned. We haven't done a lot of, you know, other than the Ministry record. I don't think we've done a whole lot of industrial style, you know, bands or music on this podcast. So at some point, we're actually going to do a whole roundtable on it. But uh, we need to get a few under our belt before we're qualified for such a thing. So thank you.
1: Yeah, you're very welcome. Uh, I definitely I can definitely uh, recommend some more hidden gems in case uh, you ever want to do some more episodes. So uh, if you're ever down, just let me know. And yeah, I can. I I got stuff that I like a whole lot more than this. I can can hook you up with. So
0: cool. Thank you. And I want to thank the guys who also, uh, like I mentioned, Gary and Rory both joined us at Patreon. And you can do so, too, if you haven't already. That's patreon.com forward slash dig me out. By the time this episode airs, we will have announced our next, uh, our first giveaway of 2018, which is only for our Patreon subscribers. It's a perk of being a patron. You get entered into our quarterly contests and uh, all you have to do is sign up for a buck a month. And also, if you like what you heard, please consider leaving us some positive feedback over at iTunes so for Jay I'm Tim we're out and we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out thanks for listening to support the podcast visit www.patreon.com forward slash Out and become a monthly subscriber at www.digmeoutpodcast.com where you can find links to our Facebook Twitter and Instagram pages as well as our merchandise store at zazzle.com